Hi, I'm Rich. Hi, I'm Ben. And this is Marketing Matters. And this is the podcast where we talk about everything to do with marketing and communications and why it's important. Because in other words, marketing matters. Yeah, it does. So Rich, hello, Hello. how are you doing? I'm very well, how are you? Yeah, absolutely fine, absolutely fine. So it's to be back again. It's great to be back again, always, you know, never a chore and all that. (laughs) Uh, So we're back again and we're talking this time about something that a lot of communications and marketing people get asked to do or start off doing and sometimes it can be a little bit um a bit of a minefield in terms of what some what we mean by this and what one needs to actually kind of uh, entail and include and all that stuff but we're talking about that uh, idea of the marketing or the communications strategy the strategy uh, da, da, da. yeah the strategy which is uh, can sound quite scary can sound like quite a grand term um it's the kind of thing I do quite a lot for clients, and it's the kind of thing that I, in my sort of sad way, find quite an interesting part of the job. Um, sort of from your point of view, uh, we, as we've spoken about in sort of previous episodes, you you deal with a lot of organisations that kind of vary in size. Do you feel this? Is, do you find this is the kind of thing you get asked to do quite a lot, marketing strategy, or is it, does it tend to be more sort of individual pieces of content? Um, I've well, okay. So what tends to happen actually is clients will start with the content bit in their head, and quite quickly will establish the fact that they don't have a strategy either. Uh, so we will kind of enforce upon them a, a process of uh, setting out, not a kind of um, a too arduous process, but, you know, setting out what, uh, what their strategic thinking ought to be around their marketing, uh, particularly understanding why they want to do that, that thing that they wanted in the first place. And I'm sure that's probably familiar with you, right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I've had a couple of uh, organizations that I've worked with, um, certainly since I've been kind of doing what I do now. Uh, and actually, probably if I think about it back when I was kind of in-house as well, where people will come to you with a thing that they want. It is either a campaign or a video or, you know, a poster or, you know, a leaflet as it used to be all the time. And actually, <clears throat> once you start sort of unraveling that, once you start having the conversation, kind of unraveling what the point of the exercise is, you end up with this idea that there is no objective for this it's just something a thing somebody wants um, and but when you start to unravel that you get to a point of saying well who's responsible for the who who owns the outcome of this and often that is something that either people don't really know haven't really thought about um and are probably just working on the basis of somebody has told me to do this thing and I will probably panic later when it isn't achieving the thing that nobody told me they wanted to achieve. <laughs> well, quite, exactly. Yeah, so that's the, that's the kind of thing I still find a little bit. Um, it's definitely something I found kind of when I was kind of in-house. in-house. But it's kind of interesting what you say about you almost kind of take people to the point of them probably needing a strategy. And I think that's a really interesting thing because I think um, people often start off, as we've just sort of said, with the idea of a thing that they want. Um, And it sort of ends up going there anyway, because what I often find with organization is they've been doing quite good comms at various sort of random points. And they've been putting a lot of effort and often a lot of budget into it, but they often find that their comms effort isn't really hitting the mark. And it 
very often that the sort of the common denominator of that is that they had no idea when they started off on these various things, kind of what the thread was and what actually their objectives were, kind of in the first place. Exactly, I think I think that's it's a fair point, and I think um, I think to be fair to most organisations, um, small, medium, large, private, public, whatever. Um, is that things do evolve over time as well. So sometimes you can get a place where it's like, well, we've got a strategy, but it's now got to a place where we're kind of delivering other things that don't really fit with that, or we, we essentially need to review what our strategy is in the first place. Or our business objectives have shifted slightly, so we need to change the strategy to make sure it's suiting those objectives. So um, often it can come out from two two different places. A very recent example from, from mine was in, in the uh, travel and tourism sector. Client um, had started the business with one particular market in mind, and over time that had evolved into very much more um, uh, exclusive luxury travel uh, market, which was smaller, but frankly much more profitable. Um, and... You know that really needed us to change the the tone, the content, the structure, the nature, pretty much everything of how he was presenting his business. Um, and and again, funnily enough, that's actually going to change this week as the the the, the brand is changing and his um, uh, his um, affiliation with different organisations has has shifted as well. So these things do they you know it's not once you've done a strategy, it's set in stone. Um, it's like, you know, uh, you have to kind of keep them evolving and changing um, all the time and reviewing them, certainly every you know year or so, just to make sure that they're still up to date. So um, I think it's something about having one in the first place, or if there is one, you know, reviewing it and making sure that um, what you're doing is, uh, is sort of a, a fit to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, it does. And I think a lot of things... Um, I think the point I made right at the beginning was about the definitions of what is a strategy and what isn't. And I think um, without being sort of too much of a purist about it, sometimes I'll, spit up, you know, and this is not just recently, but sort of throughout my comms kind of life, I've had, I've, I've spoke to people about, is there a comms strategy? Yes. And you look at it and it's a calendar on the wall, a wall of stuff that's going to happen at certain points. And that is really useful to have. That is not in any way to kind of uh, poo-poo the fact that somebody should have a plan. Yeah. But I think, I, think, I, think, I think very often you often have a big piece of paper with a load of stuff on rather than actually, you know, you know this idea of a strategy, which for me is relatively, is a really simple idea. It's, it's that whole thing of kind of agreeing what we want to achieve and agreeing um, how we're going to achieve it via creative means or otherwise that's kind of in for me the the essence of what a strategy and why. is what you know well yeah. indeed yeah indeed so the uh, the uh, i'm going to come on to sort of the why question okay. in a minute so for me i think like every strategy for me ends up with kind of five with five key bits and very often when you go into somewhere when it's when they talk about we have a strategy they're talking very much around what the last bit is which is okay we're going to do blog here we're going to do a video here we're going to do something else here and something else there for me that's kind of the last bit i often, i don't know how you do this but i've kind of got to like a five stage process which i think every bit of every strategy needs to i was going to say you know um one of the questions that i noted down just then was where to start which is often the classic sort of position of um a commons manager who like you've said often are very practical great at kind of 
project managing, keeping things to, to schedule, understanding what the plan looks like, but the kind of sometimes the, the sitting down and going, right, blank piece of paper, how do I start a communication, uh, you know, a marketing strategy, comm strategy? Um, wh- where do you start? I always start with the outcome. And I think that is always kind of like number one on the list for me to, to, to try and to try and understand. And it's like, as you sort of said about it, it is very much the why. Why are we doing this? Um, I always start with the outcome. Where do we want to be? What does kind of, to use kind of cheesy LinkedIn words, like what does great look like, you know, and what does it look like for who, you know? So for me, the number one is like, what does good look like? What are the outcomes that we actually want to want to get to? Um, and very often that is a challenging thing for people to articulate. I suppose kind of, depending on the type of organization you are, they might have a very clear idea of what that is in terms of we want to achieve X uplift in sales. We want to drive so many people into our health service kind of intervention, no smoking, obesity thing, whatever. Um, it, and but, but very, very often you speak to people and it's just, we want to do some comms. <laughs> and that isn't really an outcome. An outcome is very much kind of what does the end point of this look like? Why, why, as you sort of articulate, why are we sort of doing this in the first place? They are, they can be commercial outcomes, they can be social outcomes, they can be sort of organizational culture outcomes, but there is an outcome. There can be a behavioral outcome as well, for example. But there is something that you want to happen that isn't happening now that will happen as when you do all this, this stuff, stuff right. Exactly, that's exactly that. And, you know, you know, some organizations are much more complex than others. So, you know, going back to my example earlier of my um, travel uh, agent client, um, their business was, you know, they wanted to increase their market share in a specific niche. You know, that was quite clear. And we've had that at the, the vision objective, you know, right from the, from the get-go. Um, you're working, you know, if, if, if you're working in a, a, a large county council, um, there's going to be a lot of different kind of objectives that you need to achieve just because the, the complexity of the organisation means that they have many different publics to engage with and many different outcomes that they need from each of them. Um, like you say, some of which might be kind of more commercial than, than others. Wouldn't you agree? Is that, is that something that you, that you find um common in in, in um, sort of public sector organizations which are complex increasingly yeah. so yeah absolutely i think i think um an area where um, i found sort of a, a bit sort of in the last year or so organizations that are looking for we need a commercial comm strategy is housing that is a massive area where they're thinking more commercially and what they mean by that is they have a wing of an organization that they call the commercial wing okay so it's not like they're still thinking about commercial commerciality, commercialness. I don't know what the noun of that is, but um, they're still very much thinking about that as a kind of a distinct commerce. Yeah, let's go with commerce. Yeah, uh, as a distinct kind of arm of the organisation, and that needs thinking about in a in a particular sort of way. So increasingly, organisations that are big, housing is a really obvious one, but increasingly, sort of some of the more forward-thinking local authorities, some of the more forward-thinking NHS organisations are thinking about income generation from non-traditional sources so they are having to think more in those kind of in the in those sort of terms but they're thinking about commercial as almost like an add-on to the bigger picture rather than the heart of the function you know there might be some housing some public sector people listening to this who will disagree with that but that's certainly sort of what, what i'm sort of finding but either way in those organizations there is it seems to be 
certainly there is still this idea that the social behavioral outcome is the one that, I, well, mm, I'm going to caveat that. There's a social outcome, there's a behavioral outcome, but I think there's a reputational outcome that people are looking for as well in those organizations. People want people to trust and think that their the organization they pay their tax dollars to is a good one. Uh, and, I, and I think in a lot of cases, there's probably, I would argue there's probably too much focus on that and not enough focus on the sort of the commercial, the behavioral, the social outcome. But I think, I think that's, that's, that's a result, that's an, that's an inevitable result of the political nature of certain organizations, political small p, if you know, but also the obvious big P in, in local government. So, you know, the leader of the council is going to be very um, clearly concerned about the reputation of that council while it's under his or her stewardship. So, um, you know, that, that, that's just an inevitability. I think. I think the kind of the the, the segue question um, is then if reputation or sim- you know whatever these objectives might be um, is is your measurability of them. Um, which can be more challenging, like you say, when it's about things like reputation. You know, um, I mean, there are ways of doing it, but um, having having those up front uh, is really clear and important as well, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think actually, it's um, that is a that that is something that a lot of organisations really struggle with: is how do you quantify this stuff? Especially if you're looking for social behavioural outcomes or reputational outcomes, they are hard things to quantify because you're talking about measuring. Um, sentiment on social media you're talking about anecdotal conversations you're talking about customer feedback and all that kind of stuff but it is inherently difficult all of that stuff is relatively piecemeal so there is a bit of you know that needs to this is why i sort of try and steer clients and organizations towards those outcomes that are more quantifiable because it helps keep them focused but it also helps them demonstrate impact a lot better where you have these quite sort of woolly outcomes around reputation we want people to be happy and satisfied great fantastic that's a good focus to have but they are inherently difficult things to sort of measure unless you start getting into really sort of intrusive how was your experience today type things which a lot of people especially in public sector organizations not, that's, that's not the kind of interaction they're hoping to have with that organisation. They're hoping to have an interaction that is simple, easy works and helps them get on with the rest of their life without really having to think about that interaction too much. Having your bins emptied too much. You don't like... So I am satisfied if that happens when it's supposed to happen. I'm probably, you know... Do I really want to fill in a survey to how delighted I am by it? Probably not. So in that respect, I think most people are probably similar about that. It's just... I think it's. I always. Tr- I think those outcomes are absolutely valid and are to be, you know, um, encouraged to some degree. But I think I always do try and steer people towards having outcomes as well as that that are a bit more quantifiable in a kind of. Yeah, know, correct. I mean, and you can collect a basket of indicators, which ultimately will give you a overall yes, we're doing the right job here, or yes, well, reputation is the right, or yes, you know. Um, the general wellness of our um, community is is good or better or improving, whatever it might be. You know, there's a, you can have a subset of lots of, of, yeah. of those different bits and kind of probably not get to get too bogged down in them too early. Um, but yeah, like you say, um, uh, there are it, it, particularly in public sector organisations. Actually, majority of the time, most people don't want an interaction 
with the public sector. Oh, yeah, I don't want to speak to the police. I want to know that they're doing yeah. their job, but I don't necessarily, you know, unless something bad's happened. Um, so, you know, th- th- those are, 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 are measures which you kind of have to kind of apply to the right kind of context, you know, same with the fire and rescue services, things like that. You want to know that they're there and will be there when you need them. Uh, and when you've had an experience with them, know that you know, the experience was a decent one. It, it, in the meantime, it's actually okay if it's quiet because, you know, um, it, it means that people haven't been put at risk. Exactly, exactly. So it's kind of, a, and I think that's when you get into measures that are very open to interpretation. If you've got no feedback data, that could be a good thing, as you say, because it means people are just satisfied that you're ticking away in the background and they have no cause to complain. Um, as I say, I think I think this is an interesting one in sort of more public sector organisations, aligning your clients' expectations with what your, their, your customers' expectations of you are, which leads very nicely on to me what is step two of this process, which is considering, which is going with, I'm going to say that again, which leads you on to section two of what I think the, the building block of a good strategy is, which is your audience and analyzing who they are, where they are, and what their needs are from you. Because I think that comes, that helps you also to really think about kind of what your objectives are and how you measure them. You're not going to necessarily get people to, to be express their love and delight about your organization if your organization is something that they are expecting to just tick away nicely in the background and then get on with the rest of their lives. So it's about so thinking about what your what your who your audiences are, what their expectations, needs, and how to reach them are. I think is the essential next step in the blocks of the strategy. And like we were saying earlier, you know, some organisations are, are huge and complex, and will have many many different publics or types of audience that will need to understand and segment. You know, like I say, a, a large unit to your authority or a, a, a county council myriad services from you know you've got highways in there you've got social services in there you've got adult social care in there you've got all sorts of you know really difficult um or or disparate um uh, parts of the business which you know knit together to form a really important service but you know those audiences are going to be very different um uh, to each and every one of them and uh, what about from a more commercial point of view then? Because, I mean, obviously, if you, yeah. if you use your tourism example, you're talking about often people that aren't in this country. You're talking yeah. about people with different levels of income and all that kind of stuff. How do you go about... Well, I mean, it, it, it goes back to, yeah, like you were saying, th- this is also, you know, for, for me, uh, it tends to be the, the second thing to pick up. You know, first, we've got a vision. Secondly, well, there's a kind of triangulation of stuff that I do with clients, which, you know, might well fall into a, a different order. It's just like I look at it in the round, which would be, yeah, one of them is a, a customer review, segment the potential market, on this, provide clarity around the targeting strategy. Who is it that we think is the ideal person? Who's my ideal customer? Or, you know, sometimes it's customers. Um, like you said, I've, I've got clients uh, in the leisure industry who focus on getting American tourists over to Cornwall. You know, so that in, all, all our marketing work and targeting is based on certain states in the USA. Um uh, and, and a particular type of demographic um, who are interested in, you know, um, FITs, we call them, so independent tourists who will um, spend, you know, two or three weeks in the UK and or Europe, um, part of which time can be um, 
funnel down to Cornwall so that, you know, they'll do their thing in London, they'll see Bath, and they'll come into Cornwall, you know, and it's, you have to kind of understand their entire way of booking and living and breathing and kind of understanding how they're going to be running their, their uh, organising their vacations, as they like to call them, to... Um, in order for us to then go, okay, that's going to inform our strategy. So the customer segmentation bit, the the uh, the analysis of the target audience is absolutely critical, and that really involves creating. I mean, there's tools we'll talk into, but it's about creating the avatar, the kind of who's our ideal person, what's their name, what do they look like, where do they live, have we got interviews with them, can we find an example of them anywhere else, what sort of things were they saying, what do they want to feel. Uh, not just what do they want to buy or, you know, it's like, what do you want that thing to make them feel afterwards? Um, it's really, it's really important. Likewise, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, UK-based travel agents are going for this luxury market. Who are they and where are they going? What do they do? You know, what sort of gender are they? What sort of age range are they? You know, etc. And it's, it's a very different market. So, you know, um, this is absolutely the number two really crucial thing. You've got your vision. You've got your kind of t- your aims and objectives. Secondly, well, who is it that, that you absolutely need to speak to, right? I think that that lead, leads you probably then on to kind of, for me, what I think is number three. And this is a diff. This is sometimes, this one probably needs a bit more explanation. It's not something I've necessarily taken from any textbooks, but I've kind of developed. This idea that actually number three in that you've, you, you understand what your outcomes are. You understand kind of what your audience is, need from you uh for number three for me is what your priorities in this strategy are and what i mean by that is what given those first two points are the things we want to draw attention to and shed light on the most your organization is doing a million and one things but for me what are the things that we feel are really most important and how do we sort of communicate them so for example let's just use you know um your tourism thing again for example you understand that you want to increase income for that organization by a certain amount season to season you understand that your audience therefore is in is an american audience of a certain income level etc etc this bit for me feels a bit like well now we know that what are the things this isn't really into key messaging at this point what are the key aspects that we want to sell to them given what we know about them and for you i guess it would be the family history thing it's the it's the history of if they've got any kind of relatives who were in d-day and all that kind of thing. i think you i think is this the campaign you did when you focused on poldark Pol, Pol still a big draw yeah we're just in season five it hasn't come out in the us yet but um but where it does there'll be another run but yes you know um they, they are big draws i mean the tv shows etc are the big so yeah that that can then you know they're almost like we're getting into the tactics a little bit which is the kind of well if we want people to come to a certain part of the uk what's the big draws and yeah you know you start thinking well let's go for the seasonal stuff let's go to the tv stuff let's see what's really trending about what's really popular what people are really going in for the thing about you know um destination tourism is that you can tap into a range of different things that are always going to be there, but they just might not be very um, trendy or zeitgeisty. I mean, so the pole dark locations thing is really interesting because you've got this kind of con- continuous ad running for 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 a location. You know, beautiful scenery being filmed, etc. Same way as Doc Martin is huge in America. Um, you would you believe it? And you know, there are fans of Doc Martin that want to come over and see where it was all filmed. Um, there's other other TV shows that are doing the same sort of thing as well. Um, so yeah, um, the, the the kind of the priorities, what's the urgent? What I guess it's the quick wins 
um, what are the things that we think are going to, um, what can we leverage now that's going to um, help A, that target audience understand where we are. I mean, the interesting thing about the tourism stuff is um, they, uh, the FITs from the US will travel all over the world to anywhere where they think it's going to be an, an interesting experience and create great memories. So that could be tours of South America, that could be, you know, visiting China, that could be, you know, the UK is is just on a list of potential destinations. So you've got to leverage the kind of the different things that you can. So yeah, you can you can hit them with if they're Poldark fans, you can hit them with Poldark stuff saying come and see Poldark's Cornwall. Um but if they're um, not necessarily a lot of fans, but are independent travellers who are interested in just new experiences and stuff like that, then you hit them with something slightly different, which is, you know, tends to be focusing around the kind of uh, the experience of local people, you know, the, the friendliness, the kind of you can learn new things, you can, you know, get new different experiences, go fishing off the coast of Cornwall for the day and then you know, cook your mackerel on the beach by the fire, you know, creating experiences is what people are really after, whether it's pod related or not. So um, there are tons of ways of doing that. You just have to be quite, that's where you can start to, to get quite creative in, in, in the how. Yeah. And that, that, that is what then leads you on to think about what those channels are. And I think my sort of, my, my sort of equivalent for that in the public sector, which is completely different, but it follows the same sort of completely different sort of organization, completely different sort of uh, business sector. I've been working with a, a research organization who are attached to a national charity, but hosted by a major university. And they, are, they, do, some, they do amazing work in um, researching the causes and the kind of the treatments for musculoskeletal diseases. And what I found when I sort of I ran a workshop with them was actually how driven once you get through the technical language and once you get through the academic sort of um, minefields that they sort of work in, actually, they were a really young group of researchers who were super, super passionate about this particular aspect of research and they were great personalities and so what i've I, I, my my version of the priorities and the things to leverage for them were actually talk a lot about why you do this don't just talk a lot about um hey we've got a new research report read it if you're interested think about sort of uh the how to model that how you work because actually the way you work is very different to other types of organizations but also talk about your personality, talk about who you are as people and talk about why you're really, really interested in this. When I was working with this particular um, uh, group of people, one person who was, who was running a, um, who was in the workshop, I sort of said to them, you know, what is it that brought you to this particular research department? And one person said to me, I've been really, always been really interested in how fatigue affects wow. people's movement. And I was like, okay. I've literally never heard anybody say that before, <laughs> ever. And so actually, this individual, that, that, that they up their sticks from like the north of Scotland to come down and work some like in the northwest of England to study and, and dedicate their entire professional lives to researching this one thing. So I thought that is absolutely extraordinary. And it really shows kind of how passionate and how driven you people are to do these things and how interesting you find this. So I kind of thought, well, you're, the personality is of this organization, which is an academic organization that operates writing reports behind closed doors in dusty university building it is amazing and it was like actually so i've kind of said to them well part of your priorities really for your organization for, for leveraging these um 
le, le, you know, points of leverage, if you like, with those audiences we've been talking about is to talk about four P's. We all love P's in marketing, don't we? So purpose, as in talk a lot about why you do what you do, talk a lot about practice, talk a lot about how what you do and how you research is different and more effective and more engaging for people. Talk about your predisposition, as in why you're driven to do what you do and how you're so passionate about it, but also leverage your personality and talk about what it feels like to work with you and how you make it what feels like quite a dry academic process, engaging, almost fun even, and almost like something that you will be a really memorable experience. And so that's kind of where they've got to. So I think what we're talking about there are two really interesting illustrations of this idea of articulating your priorities for the strategy. For your point of view, from a, from a more commercial point of view, it's thinking about what are the things we can leverage to get American tourists over to uh, to Cornwall for a holiday and from this point of view from an academic point of view it's like how do we m make the work we're doing the important work we're doing really come alive and really spark people's imagination <laughs> yeah but uh, you know and it's interesting without prejudicing your um our, our next episode uh, this is a, this is getting into the realms of content marketing strategy isn't it so uh, and I know we're going to talk about that uh, next time but you know, uh, getting into that uh, understanding of how, like you say, reflecting the personality uh, of the uh, of the organisation and the brand. Really interesting, really, really key. And I can totally see how that makes a lot of sense, you know, for an organisation like that, because that's how they're going to... One thing I was going to say was, um, you know, uh, in terms of that's how they can d define how they are different to the others, you know, what I call the under-leveraged competitive advantage. Um, so when I went back to when I was talking about doing the um, the customer segmentation, understanding the audience, the other two bits I do in this kind of triangulation at that same stage is the commercial and product review to understand, you know, what is how are we different? Um, what, not you know, in terms of what we've got, you know, in, uh, in terms of what our competitors are doing. Um, uh, and and like I say, part of that will be looking at the competitors as well. So look at look at look at the thing that you've got that you're selling or doing. Um, look at your competitors and what they're doing and, and how they're doing it. And look at your customers. If you do those things all all together, then you get this kind of really nice rounded approach of ah right now I've started to understand how I can show that I'm different to the others. Going back to the example with, um, like it's tourism again, but it's the, the luxury travel. Um, you know, we, we looked at how uh, the competitors were promoting their, their work and it was kind of, you know, well, it was about understanding how we could be different and leveraging the fact that they had um, kite marks from ABTA and atoll protection, etc., that some of the others didn't. So there's safety and security around it. So there's kind of something about exposing the others to, sh well, not exposing others, but if you emphasize that continually and say, we've got these things, it casts doubt that the others might not have. So stuff like that, you know, exploring the gaps between, you, you know, you and your competitor and, and essentially taking advantage of that. So there's this kind of, you know, triangulated bit, all of which can then start to, let like you say, feed into that, that prior, prior, prioritization. Because um, that then allowed us to kind of go, well, this is really important. If the others aren't saying it, we're going to really start focusing on that. Atoll protection, ABTA registered, etc. Um, we're going to focus on um, just picking really good high-end luxury destinations. We're going to focus on never having the price on anything. Yeah, 
So it could it even is, be another way of describing that. It could be differentiation. differentiation yeah, absolutely. Then, differentiation. Yeah. differentiation because, because uh, you know, the competitors were sticking, you know, you know, they're saying, look, you know, this is our great offer this week. And when we talked to actual customers and looked at customers' purchasing habits, if they, they didn't need to know the price. They wanted to know the destination and, and wanted someone to organize them to get there. Um, obviously, price comes into it at a point. If they, you know, they want to be able to um, uh, make sure that they're getting a good deal, but the price wasn't the driving decision maker. It was about the venue and the trust for someone to get on with it and organise it for them. Um, so that meant that we could just do away with sticking prices on it, which kind of made things look a bit naff anyway. You know, to an audience who are wealthy business owners, you know, predominantly female and making decisions around their, um, you know, their families, you know, or, or certainly their partners, you know, uh, travel destinations, etc. They they were thinking price, you know, that was the second or third down the line of where's the best place that I can go, which isn't necessarily going to be crowded and busy, where I can also spend some time over here. You know, I want to go to Thailand, Malaysia, and Singapore um, for three weeks, and I want it all sorted, you know, that was the main bit. Then the price came into it. So, you know, if, if it was almost like if you had to ask the price, you couldn't afford it. Well, in which case, you know, let's not bother sticking prices and stuff. Let's just focus on the uh, on, on the venues and us as a trusted provider of great quality services for you, which goes back into the content stuff, which then became about telling stories, just like you were saying with your example. Yeah, in commercial sector, it's really important these days to, for your organization to be telling stories, you know, which show how your um, your brand is appropriate for your target audience, just exactly the same way as, as that um, that, that uh, example you gave were. So that then leads to so how do you tell those stories? So for me, we've, we've understood sort of what we want to, what to, mm. what to want to happen. We understand kind of who we're talking to. We understood kind of like what our differentiators are. So then it's we are into the interesting bit of expressing that somehow. So for me, that gets up to number four, which is messaging, yeah. um, which is incredibly yeah. important. And again, yeah. you'll be inc- it's amazing to me how many organizations still don't really pay enough attention to their to their messaging um for me there's kind of uh, there's, there's a number of kind of ways of sort of doing that but for me messaging comes down to kind of um a couple of the core things and it is very much that whole like golden circle of how what and most importantly why that for me is essentially how you get a good message for your organization and that is essentially the um well, I, I use a, I use a, a range of kind of ways to do this. I always say it's kind of um, it's sort of um, six deceptively simple questions, which is why are we doing what we're doing? How's it going to work? What actually is it? And what do you want your core audience to think, feel, and do? That for me is what your core message yeah. essentially is. How do you sort of go about sort of uh, creating this? Yeah, and and that's that. Just you know, goes back to what I was just saying. You know, in that example of the 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 luxury travel um, agent uh, business, um, we then had to start you know reevaluating the way they were putting their their content out. You know, changing the tone of it, just explaining much more about why they're why it's worth going with an organization like theirs rather than trying to piece together your own you know complicated traveling arrangements when you're very busy etc you know you know getting across you know how um there's just so many advantages even though yes you you know what we're always really clear it's going to be more expensive 
if you go with an agent than it is if you try and bundle it together yourself. Um, but bundling it together yourself is a massive pain. The stuff you can get wrong. And, you know, if you do, if you do things cheaply, you end up on a cheap flight with a long layover, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, um, creating all the content around um, what the audience wants to know. And I get, you know, that's content marketing is always, you know, this blur of what as a brand we want people to think, feel or do. And as an audience, what do we want to know? And the Venn overlap of those two things is your sweet spot of content marketing, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we're going to come on to that in the next conversation we have. But I think, absolutely. So maybe, so this is quite a good point, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I really do love doing strategies, and it's probably like my favorite part of the marketing job, which is, isn't everybody's favorite part, but I, maybe it's because I'm a nerd and I really enjoy this part. But the bit I enjoy the most about, the, the most of doing a strategy is that first bit. And what I always sort of tend to do with a client is I'll tend to try and get as many of the people that are either interested or get to say yes or no to stuff in a room. I tend to, I am a very much a post-it note and flip chart kind of and Sharpie pen type of person really. And I always structured these workshops, which can last anything up to a couple of days sometimes around, well, there's actually seven questions I tend to do. I always tend to do the why, how, and what, and the think, feel, and do. But I always ask the who as well in there as well. So it's for me, I would always suggest if you're going to do a good sort of workshop to how to get, how to create a good uh, marketing or commerce strategy, Get the people in the room that can answer these questions. Why? What, what is the purpose of what we're doing? What are our outcomes? What are our objectives? How? How is it actually going to be delivered? Um, what is the price, et cetera, et cetera? How do you actually access this stuff? How is it going to be, how is it going to actually feel to actually receive this, this service or to experience this service? And what? What actually is it, the core purpose of what we're doing? When's it happening? Um, you know, who's delivering it, et cetera, et cetera. Then you're into the who, which is kind of like literally who are we trying to uh, target? Uh, what do we know about them, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're into actually what does good look like for those people? And so that comes into what do we want them to think? What is the key piece of information we want people to take away from this? What do we want them to feel? What is the sort of irrational emotional reaction we want people to have to this? Is it reassured, excited, um, you know, happy, sad, whatever? Um, and then it's into what do you want them to do? So literally, what is the call to action there? Do you want them to donate to your cause? Do you want them to buy off you? Do you want them to use your service? Do you want them to choose you over somebody else? So for me, they are the seven sort of deceptively easy to answer questions that are often harder to answer than you sort of might think because it really does challenge people to really break things down and come at things completely afresh, which a lot of people really enjoy. But some people who feel they already have a strategy or they've been doing this for ages um, often find quite challenging, but are always glad they've done it, in my experience, when you get to the end of that session. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Well, I think that the overall work on strategy like this can often – it lifts a few rocks, doesn't it, within an organization and lets you look underneath them. And, and people can kind of um, – you can find people in within one room – who will be disagreeing on some fundamentals, which allows you to kind of go right. This is a this is a reason why you might not have been achieving what you wanted to achieve in terms of marketing or communication, because you're kind of pulling in two different directions, or your 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 beliefs about what your brand is are slightly different, and it's time to kind of um, resolve those 
um, those changes. And they might not have been particularly obvious, you know. If you if you work with a, a company and start to use other metaphors, you know, if you were to describe your brand as a supermarket, which supermarket would it be? You know, suddenly someone's going Aldi and someone else is going, how dare you? I think it's Marks and Spencer. And you kind of go, well, it can't be you know, both of those. So, well, you know, let's go through each of your positions and explain why you think it is what it is, you know. Um, so, and I've had that, <laughs> literally that, 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 um, that happened. So sometimes there are, there are really helpful facilitation tools that get people to kind of unpick a little bit as to what their thinking might be. Um, are there any other things that you, that you use? In terms, I know you, you've sort of structured a lot of those out, but um, any other kind of useful tools? Or I mean, our customers come back to us because it's always a great opening kind of statement so that when people are understanding their target audience, they're kind of going, right, I'm now in that position where I'm thinking – I'm in their shoes. It come back to us because we create a great service, and it's a price, and it's a whatever, blah, 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 yeah, whatever the things are. Um, well, uh, do, do you have other kind of useful tips or hacks? I hate that word for um, for for, uh, for, for comms folk out there. Well, yeah, I think um, if the one thing I've started to use, there's there's another sort of little exercise I've, I've been starting to do with people. If it's mo- if it's more of a sort of an internal comms strategy, though, it, I think you can use it sort of externally as well. Which there's another exercise I tend to add to those seven deceptively simple questions, which is considering two really important things. And these are almost a little bit like a, di- a newer version of a SWOT analysis, almost. And it's a bit. I always sort of ask people to consider two things, which is the culture and the structure of an organization. And these, for me, are, the, are basically the enablers or the barriers of what you're trying That's to achieve. So you've, done all the, so you've done all these kind of things. You've, you've, understand, you've understood kind of your core proposition and what you're trying to put across to people. You've understood what the key pain points and motivations for your, um, for your audience is. And then you're into the things that will either make, the, that will sort of influence whether this succeeds or fails. And for me, I think they are two, there are things, in, there are things that are either structural or cultural. Structurally, I mean, if you're in an organization, you know, what are the communications channels? How many hoops do you need to get through to actually get a message out there? And does that help or hinder? Um, I think about stuff like money. I think about stuff like locations. I think about stuff like the technology you have to use. I think about stuff like organizational policies and stuff like that. They are all things that somebody at the top of the organization, if they wanted to, could change tomorrow with a strike of their pen. Basically, they could just start funding something and stop funding something else. They could change policies. They could get people to move locations. They could just do that. It probably wouldn't happen. It's a lot more complicated than that. But they are all sort of tangible things that could change tomorrow if somebody wanted them to change. Or difficult thing to change is culture. And by that, I mean the way people interact with each other, the way things are done around here, how, what the history of changes in the organization, what the history, if you like, of doing things in a different way and how that went and what the, the lingering kind of feedback is from those experiences. People's, um, so the baggage people bring to things, I think is really, really important as well. I'm working with a, quite a big local authority at the moment and um, they have gone through, Oh, a uh, transformation, quote unquote, sort of process. Which who hasn't? Who hasn't? But for them, they went through quite a difficult period of, you know, there was a big HR process with some senior officers and things like that. You know, I'll go into any more details than that, which has led to a lot of people feeling quite sort of dissatisfied. Um, so when you speak to a lot, 
depending on who you speak to, they will tell you that that is still very much on people's minds and people are incredibly sceptical of change as a result of that. But you speak to some other people who are really involved in a kind of a culture program and they will tell you that actually people are starting to move through that now and are more receptive to things. So that's what I mean by culture. It's like that's something that isn't a practical decision somebody can make. That's the stuff that is lingering in the background that you just have to be aware of and you know, suit your messaging and your content to kind of, you know, navigate those yeah. kind of things, if that, that's if that makes Well, sense. I guess it's, that's really interesting um, because I think the culture, it, it can certainly apply to um, any level of organisation. It's just easier to manage when it's smaller. Um, and certainly, and often can be easier to spot. But it's funny because culture is one of those bits where you can get quite um, negative um around culture you know uh, rather than just thinking what you've just described is kind of capturing just what is culture and therefore how do we navigate around it or through it or understand it as opposed to going what is culture and how do we change it to suit what we need you know um and i think yeah i think they're, they're both they're both really valid approaches but one's obviously more practical and, uh, and straightforward i guess if that exercise exposed actually this culture was going to mean we're not going to be able to achieve our stage one, that vision, but, you know, then we've got a problem. Um, or, you know, like you say, um, if you're looking at the organizational structure and the processes involved are going to hinder achieving our objectives and our vision, um, again, we've got a problem with that. So I think those are both really, really important, valid things to, uh, to, to approach, yeah. And I, th- I think it's just being alive and awake to those things, isn't it? Really, and I think, and I think, um, if those, let's 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 just look at it from a negative sense for 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 a, for a minute. If those structural, those cultural factors are a massive hindrance to what you're doing, and if what you're suggesting you're going to do isn't going to work unless those are fixed, well, that's a decision that a client has to make. That's a decision an organisation has to make. But at least they're doing it; they're making that decision kind of with their eyes open. And I think that is kind of why that process is so important. You could just go and launch something incredibly exciting and, and something you're really proud of and very excited about. But if you haven't taken into account the culture and the structure in which you're launching it, 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 that can be a problem. And I think sometimes structure and culture can be a really positive enabler as well. But sometimes, but I, whether it's a positive or a negative, it's, it's about being aware, of, being awake to that. And if that means that you have to either delay what you're doing or fix something before you do a thing, then I think that's a perfectly valid and, a, and an okay thing to do. It might actually be the smart thing to do. It might be a disappointing thing to have to do, but it's probably, it might well be the I think you have right to be thing pra- to do. Yeah, you have to be Just pragmatic the in these things, don't you? And I, I think, yeah, I, I'm feeling that we could do an entire episode on that alone. <laughs> I think we probably could. And I think the final, the, when you ask about any other hacks, I don't think this is really a hack, but it's probably something we haven't really touched on, which is... Um, beyond sort of workshopping and beyond sort of getting insight from decision makers, actually proper research. You can't really put a price on how important that is if you can afford it and you've got the time to do proper audience kind of market research. Primary research is yeah. vitally important. I've been in sort of in, I've been involved in a couple of things like that which have been sort of campaign development that have, that have been based on a lot of sort of face-to-face interviews, focus grouping and stuff like that. I think I don't think that is necessary all the time, but if you can do it and you've got the time to do it, you've got the will to do it and you've got the resources to do it, it is really really 
it, well, it's just invaluable um, if you can do it. If you can't do it, I think that thing about sort of talking to decision makers in the organization is really important. But adding in that sort of direct research from kind of more statistical research from audiences, from market research, et cetera. Uh, uh, really uh, certainly, you know, secondary research um, is going to be, you know, it, it, a, a more straightforward way of collecting the, the data uh, and the information together, even if it's just on, you know, um, understanding you know who's using who's who's engaged with you on social media or you know looking through your last year's worth of clients or you know how many people use their particular service over a period of time all that sort of stuff and breaking it down by age and demographics and and stuff like that but like you say absolutely well worth doing it and would certainly go into that um that that audience um understanding um section in section two that you described yeah yeah definitely okay so i think um we could go on. Oh, we? Man, we, could do an entire, we could do an entire episode on all of those points. And number five is about our channels. Mm. And you're interesting that we haven't actually talked about content yet, um, which is because actually the conversation up to this point is very much around how do you put those building blocks in place to actually make a strategy that actually works and actually works for your organization, but also achieves the organization's in it achieves the objectives yeah. it needs to achieve so the next time we speak we will be talking about this word or this phrase content marketing which has been around for a little while uh, as how it has its skeptics but it has the people who actually are real advocates for it as well um we both probably have absolutely. our views on that so we'll talk about that more sort of when we come absolutely back time yeah when... looking forward to it yeah me too okay so that's the end of this particular episode thanks a lot rich Thanks very much for having us again. Again, again, and we'll be back next time with another episode of Marketing Matters. In the meantime, if you liked it, um, give us a review, give us a rating on the iTunes uh, podcast store or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye.